Welcome to 7-Minute Torah. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. In this podcast, we explore the weekly Torah portion in about 7 to 10 minutes. We make modern meaning out of ancient texts, exploring them through liberal Jewish eyes. To become a supporter of this podcast, please visit patreon.com slash 7-Minute Torah. All right, welcome back, everybody. Hope you had a great Shavuot holiday last week. We are ready to continue our march through the wilderness, our march through the book of Bamid Bar. Before we go any further, I want to say a big thank you to one of our weekly supporters, and that's Jeremy Manat, who increased his weekly per episode contribution this past week. And that's a reminder that if you value this content, if you enjoy the podcast, you can support it either by going to patreon.com slash 7minutetorah or by going to laasok.org and making a one-time contribution or a repeating contribution. So thank you to Jeremy. Thank you to all those who support the podcast. And thanks to everybody for coming to learn with me today. This week we're reading Naso. Naso is the book of Numbers, chapter 4, verse 21, through the end of chapter 7. And we're just about to launch our way into the wilderness toward the promised land. We've been at Sinai for weeks worth of Parshiot now, ever since the middle of the book of Exodus. And now, as we prepare to move into the desert, we're about to get weeks and weeks of these sort of swashbuckling stories of interesting things that happen in the wilderness. And before that, this is one more Parsha that's kind of a miscellany of things related to holiness, things related to the tabernacle, the portable sanctuary in the desert, and various things having to do with purity and impurity. We get here the final completion of the building of the Mishkan, the building of the tabernacle. We see each chieftain, the leader of each tribe, bring a gift to sort of inaugurate this new prayer space. We see the appointment of the various roles of the Levites who will carry the Mishkan, carry the tabernacle through the wilderness. And in the midst of all that, we get this. This is the very beginning of chapter 5. It says, The Eternal One spoke to Moses, saying, Instruct the Israelites to remove from the camp anyone who has a scaly skin affection, anyone who has a discharge, and anyone who is tamela nafesh, which means who has been defiled or made impure by coming into contact with a dead body. So we have all these instructions about purity. How do you make the Mishkan? How do you dedicate the Mishkan? How do you carry and transport the tabernacle across the desert? And in the midst of that, we get this instruction to remove certain people from the camp because they are seen as ritually impure. And the three categories of people here are those who have a leprous affection, those who have some kind of a discharge, and those who've come into contact with a dead body. Now, we've seen this movie before. A bunch of weeks ago, we read Tazria, which was all about scaly skin affections and eruptions from various organs and orifices and what you do when you are diagnosed with one of these things. And we saw back then as well that one of the pieces of this was that that person has to be sent outside the camp. 
And there's two possible reasons for this, and they're actually related reasons. One is contagion. People were afraid that these kinds of affections and afflictions might be contagious, and reasonably so, because things often are. But mostly, the tradition doesn't see this as being about actual contagion. It sees it as being about impurity. Impurity is unfitness to enter the temple precinct, and impurity can be spread from person to person. So you've got to get these people out of the camp, as far as the Torah is concerned, because they might make other people impure. And that would be inappropriate because ultimately God dwells at the center of this camp. You can't have all this impurity if you're also going to have God in your midst. Now, this is very foreign to our kind of Judaism. We don't believe in this kind of purity and impurity. We don't believe that God literally dwells in our midst. We have a Torah, we have an ark, we have holy things that we do, but I don't think anybody thinks that somehow you and your impurity can drive God out of the sanctuary. And yet, we can relate to the notion of quarantining or separating people out at certain moments, whether moments of sickness or moments in which we might be afraid of contagion. I mean, we've seen lots of this over the course of the last three years. And from that perspective, there's actually something a little bit unconscionable here. I mean, these people are suffering. These are people who have either contracted a disease or have something going on with their bodies that's probably quite scary, or they've come into contact with a corpse, which means likely they've undergone a loss. They've lost a loved one. Because after all, that was the most likely reason you would be in contact with a dead body in ancient days. So these are people who are going through times of suffering and loss, or maybe even times of trauma. And the Torah, somewhat callously, says, get them out of here. They've got to be outside the camp. So this is one of those places where we might look at our tradition and have a bit of a hard time relating. It seems that people are being treated as collateral damage in this business of purity and impurity. The Torah doesn't seem to be cognizant of the feelings of the people who are being kicked out of the camp. In fact, in at least one commentary I saw, it said that these people were happy to be kicked out of the camp because that meant they were going to begin a process of tshuva, process of repentance, that would ultimately bring them back inside the camp. But I have to tell you from a human perspective, that doesn't sound right to me. It seems to me that this was a very difficult, very challenging thing to do to people, and I think I understand why they did it, especially from a contagion perspective, but I'd like to see a little more focus on the human side of it, the suffering of the actual people. Now, to some extent, that is addressed back in Leviticus. The last time we were reading about kicking people out of the camp because they had scaly skin disease, we read that the person with the leprous affection, this is Leviticus chapter 13, they're supposed to go outside the camp, and every time somebody comes near, they're supposed to call out, Tame, Tame, which means impure, impure. In other words, they're supposed to warn people that they are impure, so that they won't get sick. But the Talmud reads that a little differently. The Talmud understands that passage to be not about warning people off of impurity, 
but rather, and this is from Tractate Moed Katan, it says he shall cry out impure, impure, to inform the public of his distress so that they will pray on his behalf. In other words, you're crying out asking for prayer and support. So that's the human side a little more. The Talmud seems to recognize that these people were going through a very difficult thing, and that when we're suffering, we actually need support from others. We need community, and we need humanity. So there's a bit of a tension here in our texts. On the one hand, the texts recognize that people who are sick or people who are impure need to be separated out from the community. On the other hand, our texts and our tradition recognizes that actually those are the people who need other people most. And there's a wonderful story in the Talmud that I think speaks to this. This is from Tractate Brachot, page 5, and it tells of Rabbi Yochanan, the 3rd century sage and the leader of the academy in the land of Israel, who was known as a bit of a healer. The Talmud says that his colleague Rabbi Chia bar Abba once got sick, and Rabbi Yochanan entered to visit him. He said to him, is your suffering dear to you? In other words, do you want to be sick? And Rabbi Chia said, no, I don't want this suffering. And Rabbi Yochanan said, give me your hand. He gave him his hand, and Rabbi Yochanan stood him up. The Aramaic says, okmei, he helped him stand up, which is to say he healed him, he got him well. Well, a little while later, the Talmud says Rabbi Yochanan himself got sick. And something similar happened. His colleague, Rabbi Hanina, entered to visit him. He said, is your suffering dear to you? Rabbi Yochanan says, no, I don't want this suffering. And Rabbi Hanina took his hand and stood him up, which is to say he restored him to health. Now, the Talmud has an interesting question that you might have been asking as well. If Rabbi Yochanan's such a healer, if Rabbi Yochanan can heal other people, how come when he got sick, he couldn't heal himself? How come he needed Rabbi Hanina to come in and heal him. And the Talmud answers, Ein chabush hasurim. A prisoner cannot free themselves from prison. In other words, when we're going through something difficult, when we're sick, when we're suffering, when we're feeling depressed, when we're going through hard times, we actually often need others to take our hand and stand us up help us through those difficult times. We human beings aren't really built to go through this stuff ourselves. We need others, and we need to help others when others are going through these difficult times. That's the counterweight to the Torah's command to remove people who bear impurity from the camp, to send them out and isolate them. And this, I think, has been, in many ways, the main event of the last three years of our lives during this COVID pandemic. On the one hand, how do you protect yourself and others by isolating? And it is in fact a mitzvah to safeguard life and health. And on the other hand, how do you make sure that you're supporting others and that you are being supported during these difficult times? And we've figured out how to do things like that through Zoom services and online learning and various kinds of communities. And while the pandemic is hopefully calming down at this point, I think that's actually been a lasting learning of the last few years. Even as things move forward, there are still people who are sick. There will still be people 
who have to be isolated for various reasons. Sometimes they're recovering from surgery. Sometimes they're elderly and can't get out of their houses. And we as a community will still need to find ways to support them, both in terms of religious services and learning and in terms of reaching out to them. That's something we knew already three, four years ago, but I think it's all the more pointed now that we've been through an experience with so much isolation. So in the end, maybe what the Torah presents us with here is a human truth. It is a fact that there are times when we will have to be isolated from each other. It is also a fact that we need each other, and maybe in those times most of all. So our responsibility and our need then becomes to support and to connect in an ongoing way, both for the sake of others who might be suffering and also for the sake of each one of us who needs community. As human beings, we never stop needing each other. And so we can never stop finding ways to connect with each other. Thanks for listening, everybody. And next week, we move out into the wilderness. 7-Minute Torah is a production of La Asok, Sacred Texts, Modern Meaning. If you enjoy this program, please consider becoming a sponsor at patreon.com slash 7-Minute Torah. For more information about upcoming learning opportunities, go to laasoka.org, L-A-A-S-O-K dot I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. Thanks for listening.